Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. I am your host, Harrison Barron. Thank you guys so much for waiting so long for this podcast. It's been super crazy, but I've got a lot of podcasts coming at you. I really do, and I'm not kidding when I say that. I think I've booked more podcasts in the last two months than I, like volume-wise, than I have at any given monthly span since this time. If that makes any sense, because I don't even know if it makes sense, but that's okay, because I love it. I love what I do. Podcasting's great. I get to connect with a lot of really cool people, and I get this question all the time before I go into anything else. Where do I find my podcast guests? Referrals, referrals, referrals. Uh, people tell me about different people I should link up with, I should meet with, all these different things. That is how I meet all of my podcast guests, 100% of the time. It's a referral from somebody. Very rarely do I allow somebody to come on the show if they ask. Not opposed to it, but there's an interview process. And then people I do business with. Um, not so much business as far as like my company or anything like that, but just business with like business networking or I met them through somebody or something like that and I found them interesting and then I asked them to come on the show. That is how I find all my podcast guests. But enough about that. Welcome this is the first podcast of the new year, I think. I'm like 99.9% sure of that. So happy freaking new year, all right? 2019, here we go. I got big, huge goals for 2019. I'm super, super excited for it, as you guys all should be too. If you've been with me since day one, I love the shit out of you. If you've been with me since the last episode, I still love you, all right? Don't get... Don't don't think otherwise. Still love you, but the OGs love you guys. As always, if you haven't already, smash that subscribe button. I really do appreciate it. And share it out with a friend. If you really love it, leave a comment on iTunes. It's how we grow the podcast. There's a, a lot of podcasts out in the space, and growing it is the fastest way and the easiest way to tell people about it and share it out and grow it. And the bigger it gets, the, the the different people I get to have on and, and the cooler I get to make the show and all that kind of stuff. So I'm super excited about all that kind of stuff. As always, BrutallyHonestPodcast.com, Instagram, Facebook, Brutally Honest Podcast, my personal, Harrison underscore Baron. But before we get into the podcast, we have a sponsor. The sponsor is Dream Dance Fitness. My friends Natasha and Michelle over at Dream Dance Fitness said, hey, we're, we like your show. We're going to sponsor your show and give you, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you talk about us. So I'm going to talk about them for a minute. Um, if you don't know what Dream Dance Fitness is, it's over in Nassau County. I should probably find the date. I was too busy looking at classes that I absolutely would fail at, but it's, it's about doing, all right? It's about doing. It's over in East Meadow, 386 East, East Meadow Avenue in East Meadow, New York. I'm not going to give the phone number out, but that's how you go check it out. Dreamdancefitness.com. D-R-E-A-M-D-A-N-C-E-F-I-T-N-E-S-S.com. Not fit this whole cheeseburger on my mouth, like fitness, like what I should probably be doing instead of podcasting so I could see my toes when I look down, but whatever. All right. They got Zumba. They got yoga. Yoga's sick. I love yoga. Sculpting, little workouts, little weights, pole dancing. There's, I would feel so bad for that pole if I was on it. Uh, they got aerial hoops, liquid motion, not sure exactly what that is, handstands, um, 
flexibility and restorative work, which is super, super cool. A, bu- a bunch of other classes, muscle training, the whole nine. Um, it's kind of like a full service, um, I don't want to say like gym, because it's not a gym, it's a studio. But like if you're a chick or you're a dude looking to get in shape with dancing and stuff like that, it's definitely the way to go. I've heard Zumba's like rocking for the body. Uh, I would actually probably do that and definitely some yoga. But I'm a big yogi. Little does anybody know. But definitely go check it out. Over in East Meadow, you can sign up online and get the class schedule online. Their new website's going to be releasing very soon. But they're just awesome. Super, super cool people. They've actually been on the show before, too. That's kind of how this whole thing happened. But if you're looking to get in shape, looking to learn some dance moves and stuff like that, dreamdancefitness.com. Go check them out. Hugely appreciate them. And that's pretty much it, folks. Today's guest... It's a dear friend of mine. His name is Mitch York. He is awesome. He is such a stud in what he does. And I don't want to go too much into what he does because he can explain it a hell of a lot better than I can. But very, very interesting and unique skill set that this man has. If you are a business owner or entrepreneur looking to grow your business, like seriously, seriously grow your business then this podcast is absolutely for you. And if you're looking, and if you're not a business owner and you're a regular, uh, you know, you're an employee, this is kind of like what your business owner or your boss is probably doing or trying to implement or something like that to make his his job better, his, his everything better, to run a better company so you could have a better job. Literally, that's how it works. So without any further ado, please welcome my friend, Mitch York. What's up, bud? Thanks for uh, coming on the show. It's fun. I've got my my Michelob Ultra. They're not a sponsor yet, but uh, maybe they'll. One day. One, One day, day. They will be. I am looking for sponsors if you know anybody. <laughs> yeah, just, just started looking. Um, almost 100 episodes later, and I finally decided it's probably a good time to get sponsors. Yeah, you, you've earned it. Uh, I can't even believe it. Um, so obviously we had a great breakfast the other day, and you do something, uh, not to roll too quickly into it, cause, uh, but it's very interesting, and I've tried to do some digging up on it, and I can, but I felt like I would get a better explanation from you, so... Even I want to learn. You know, I do know a bit about what you do, but I'd be very curious to hear it from your side. So, absolutely, you're an EOS em- implementer. I'm a professional EOS implementer. That's what right. is EOS? EOS is the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Sure. <clears throat> it is a s- set of tools and principles that helps business owners get everything they want out of their business. And it's about... The company EOS Worldwide is about 20 years old, started by an entrepreneur who uh, was in a family business in Detroit, and uh, uh, he turned the company around, ultimately wound up selling it, and he was one of the founding members of the entrepreneur's organization, EO, uh, in Detroit. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, his name is Gino Wickman, and he wrote a, a book called Traction, which is a great book about the principles that he developed 
over several years and figuring out how do you take the hundreds of issues that businesses deal with and make them navigable, turn them into something that where you take the commonalities of what small businesses and, and you know basically companies with 10 to 250 employees is, is sort of the sweet spot for EOS, $2 million to $50 million in sales. And how do you boil it down into what people face um, every day and what most of them face every day? <clears throat> and that's what he did. And he created a, a mechanism of um, six component pieces that most companies struggle with, and if they get them right and if they figure them out, everything runs much better. And what so, are those? Are you allowed to tell? I can, yeah, absolutely. Spew it all out. I want to know it all. <laughs> I'm very spew. curious. Yeah, uh, I'm very curious because it's not something you know. And I also want to know like what typically do entrepreneurs look for in the business? Because like I'm addicted. Like I just I'm a workaholic. I just like if I'm not working, I'm mm -hmm. like I need to get back to my desk to do something, <laughs> even if it's not productive for the mm -hmm. business. It becomes productive because I go do something else, and then I'm like, oh, oh my god, I forgot to do this email really quick. Let me just bang on this email, and then this email turns into something else. So I'm curious to know, like, what sane people are thinking about their business. <laughs> well, entrepreneurs, I don't, I don't know if I've <clears throat> if I've ever met truly sane uh, entrepreneurs. So I, I don't think you're you're insane, but there are you know these there are these six major components of a business where if you strengthen the company. In these six components, life becomes a lot simpler. And basically, it starts with vision, and okay. that means getting everybody in the organization on the same page uh, with the vision. So they're all rowing in the same sure. direction. The second component is people. And uh, the, the, the basic theme there is that's what most when, and when I come into contact with business owners people is usually the biggest problem because you have uh, employee issues where uh, you might have somebody who is a great employee that executes really well but they don't fit the culture of the company and everyone has a really hard time working with them sure. and even though they do their job really well they're a star salesperson maybe or that whatever they do they're pulling the company down because they don't fit the culture. Some, really? Yeah, I mean, that happens all the time. Oh, I believe it happens. It's just amazing that, like, you know, something you don't think about, you know, not all the time at least, is how you deal with that. Well, so that's called having the wrong person in the right seat. Basically, their function is solid, uh -huh. but they're the wrong person for it, and we have tools and, and, and processes to help people figure that out. The reverse problem is also true. Sometimes you have somebody who you love mm -hmm. who really gets the culture, but, but they don't execute well. Yeah, That's a right person so in a wrong need, seat. Yeah, so you almost need to find this. You got to have right people in the right seats. Yeah. So vision and then people. Then the next part of the process is uh, data. Most companies run on emotion, uh, on feelings, and feelings don't, they vary so much that you can't count on them. So we have tools that we use to get companies to operate based on data, but very simply. As an example, we have this wonderful tool called the scorecard where basically you take the five to 15 
things that you must measure on a weekly basis and you get very clear about what those are, then you have an owner for that measurable. You have the measurable itself, what it is. Just picture a spreadsheet. That's mm -hmm. your second column. Your third column is what's the goal for the week. Sure. And your fourth column. Oh, so it's a weekly goal. It's weekly. And uh, weekly goals. And, you can and then, and then you keep going. Day. Well, you could, but then you, the idea is you keep going on your spreadsheet for 13 weeks of data. So every week, you've got this scorecard that says, hey, what's my goal? Uh, what's the measurable? Who owns it? And how am I doing? Am I on track or am I off track? So it's kind of like if you were on a desert island and there were five things that you could, only five things you could know about the business. You couldn't talk to anybody. You know, you're not getting any emails. What are, but you, you are going to get five pieces of data. What are the five things that you would say, okay, I got a handle on the business? Mm -hmm. That's what we try to get people to do. So that's essentially the, the data component. Uh, then we have the process component. Mm. And what we find there is that most small businesses don't enjoy taking the time to sit down and write process because it, and document their processes because it's just laborious and, you know, think, who wants think, to do that? I think the other thing, too, is a lot of times, you know, at least from what I've seen, is a lot of times the processes are changing, you know, regularly yeah. to figure out what's going to work. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like why would you write it when it's better off just telling everybody? You know, at least in a small, small company, you know, I would say – you know, less mm -hmm. than 30 people where it's so easy to be shifted where you could say, hey, this is the new process, boom, boom, boom. Yes. It, that w which would be fine if you were only ever going to have 30 people. But if you're a growth-oriented company and next year you're going to have 130 people, well, you should it doesn't scale. Those processes before well, you, you have to. People. But, the, I, but the key thing there is if, if you say, okay, we need a, you know, we need a, we, we have a eight core processes of the company and you think, oh my God, it's going to take me, I got to get some sort of software and it's I'm going to have a 50 page manual for each process what we we say is just document the 20% of the process that gives you 80% of the value sure. so just like two or three pages in a word document of okay here's the linear way that that the the process yeah. works this, for this, yeah for, for customer step service two, step three that's all yeah it should document be. it so that at least it has a shot at being done in in the same way twice sure and so process is super important uh, that that's super important then you have uh let's see what's what's left i know i'm leaving something out but it's okay you finally have the traction component named after the book mm -hmm. and traction is all about execution so you have the vision on the top of the model and then you pull it down to sea level, and you have to have traction. And what that means is that you have to have people who are executing well and who are highly accountable um, so that, you know, just as an example, in, in your weekly team meeting, we have a really good structure mm -hmm. for how to handle team meetings. Everyone knows exactly what they're responsible for, and you focus on whether you're on track or off track in terms of what you're supposed to deliver. Mm -hmm. And when you're off track, you talk about how to resolve the issues to get you back on track. So this is just an example of 
you know, there, there's a, a bit of the model. I don't know if I got all six, but anyway, it's Friday afternoon and, you know, the beer's kicking in. But you get the sense of we have a very simple model that enables people, enables business owners to look more simply at their business instead of looking at it as this hugely complex thing. Got to keep things simple or else it just becomes unwieldy. Uh, yeah, I think that is so true. And I think a lot of people too, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily expect that much from businesses. You know, if you know if you go to Chipotle, for example, it's a multi-billion dollar company. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple when you break it down. You go up, you say you have your four choices. Mm-hmm. Which one do you want? What do you want? What meat do you want? Okay. Mm-hmm. What toppings do you want? Guacamole is extra. Mm-hmm. Are you staying that or going? Me. Five processes right there. <laughs> like it's literally right. the easiest thing in the world. Right. You know, and I, and I think a lot of even the most complex businesses could be broken down so simply regularly. You know, I run a media company. Okay. You first got to diagnose what the problem is, what they're having a problem is. Mm-hmm. You got to figure out their goals. Then you got to build a plan. Then you got to implement the plan. And then you got to refine every single time. That's yeah. just how it works. Right. Everything but, is like that. But imagine that. You know, you're you're a solopreneur, right? <clears throat> so if you hired one person, you you know you got a pretty pretty clear communication. Well, what happens if you hire a third person? You know, just just sort of draw it, and the sure. the fifty percent increase in the number of people creates a hundred percent increase in the amount of information and potential confusion. Sure. Add a fourth person, oh, it grows it's cra- exponentially. Yeah, it's crazy. Right, so, so that's the thing. Everyone you, has to be on the same page. Do you see a major problem in small businesses um, having ineffective meetings? Oh, meetings are. It's it's funny. One of the things that when when I start to work with a client or I do an, an exploration, I always say to them, "Hey, do you have a weekly staff meeting?" And they usually mm-hmm. they usually do. And I say, on a scale of one to ten, what what grade would you give it? With ten being best, and I usually hear like eh, four, five. And why? What's the, what's the biggest problem? should be a clear eye opener for those people. <laughs> well, it is. And, and the, the, the big issue is, well, they're, they're kind of boring. Um, there's a lot of people just sort of reporting sure. and justifying their existence. And, uh, and we argue and we go round and round and very little gets resolved. And that's a big problem. And sure. if, you're running a, you know, if you're running a $10 million, $20 million business, and you're in the. You should be in the business of solving problems. So we if have. You're only getting forty percent out of your meeting. That means you're only getting forty percent of your company right, out of your company, probably. Right, and people don't want to go to the meetings, and they find reasons not to go. I have a. I have to have a customer meeting. It's more important than the staff meeting. Actually, there's nothing more important than the, than the leadership team meeting once a week for an sure. hour and a half. Yep. And so we have a we have a methodology and a format for how to have a really good meeting. And that meeting and, costs that owner a. Shit, of money. course it does. It's, it's it's a huge investment of labor, and if they don't solve their and issues, time. and you know, labor, time, and and procrastination of not solving problems. Sure. So they really they they need to figure out, and with our with EOS, they they have a system where they spend most of their time. They spend very little time on like five minutes doing the scorecard review. Mm-hmm. Are we on track? Are we off track? We have this thing called rocks, which are essentially 90-day goals. Mm-hmm. Every quarter, you, ha- you live in a 90-day world where people can focus. Because most people, you say, if someone says, oh, I'm going to have that project done uh, in nine months, that's, that's totally cool. 
you know, my, <clears throat> my, my question for them is, well, yeah, but what will be done in the next 90 days of that nine-month project? Because that's the thing yeah. I'm most concerned about. And if you don't about. plan it out, I don't care how good you are. Right. You know, things are going to go awry. You gotta, yeah. you know, you almost have to plan for, you know, what if stuff goes sideways in this, yes, time frame. And what you mostly get is is the, um, the 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 hockey stick graph, but not in a good way. So you you have you have a graph, mm -hmm. and you know time is on the bottom, mm -hmm. and productivity is is the vertical axis. Sure. And so it starts at really low, really low, really low, really low, and right about the deadline time, you get the hockey stick, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, all the work starts happening. Yep. Well, that's no good. And then you know, and then if that's the case, then the deadline has to get pushed back, and right. get done right. Or the quality is no good, or so this is all about ninety-day world. So that meeting is, hey, let's review our scorecard on track or off track. Let's review our ninety-day. We call them rocks. Mm -hmm. Are we on track? Are we off track? If we're on track, we keep going. If we're off track, <clears throat> we, we push the issue down to this thing called the issues list, which we'll get to. Mm -hmm. And there are a few other things we do in the meeting, but 60 of the 90 minutes are spent resolving issues. So you have an issue. You know, um, <clears throat> we missed our sales. We missed our, um, our new meeting, our new client meetings, our new prospect meetings number for the week. Our new pros we were supposed to meet with five new prospects a week. We met with two. So what's so the first thing we do, we get the leadership team together, and we say, well, what's the, what's the root cause of that problem? We don't say, hey, well, Mitch was supposed to, you know, have, meet with five people. He didn't do it, so it's on him. Well, maybe maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Yeah, you maybe know? Mitch's, I don't know, friend died or something like that. It could be wasn't I, in the mental game, or or uh, yeah, it could be it could be a personal issue. It could be um, that the the phoner who I use to qualify um, prospects mm -hmm. is just had a bad list, mm -hmm. and maybe he doesn't have a good source of of good lists. Sure. Or it could be a million other things. But the key thing is, what's the root cause? Then treat that. Then, so identify the issue, identify the root cause, discuss it among the group. Everybody has a point of view that they present, but they only present it once, so there's no big argument. They just present their point of view. Then they go into solve. So the most important part of that is solve the problem. Sure. So we say to, to, to and after you solve it, there's, there are to-dos that you have to do. We have a very specific definition of to-do. It means in the next week. So when you come back to this meeting next week, 90% of your to-dos should be to-done. So, you know, that's how that piece of it works. So you get into kind of this cadence of problem solving. And when something becomes an issue, you keep the issues list. I know uh, I was just talking with a client before I came over today, and he was telling me that he has lists like all over his desk, sticky notes. And, you know, his, he's overwhelmed with the idea that he's going to be forgetting uh, to handle things. And I, I said, do you have a whiteboard? Yes, I have a whiteboard. I said, just like make on your whiteboard, put, just write out the issues, the things that are unresolved. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and when you have your staff meeting, you can incorporate these principles. S just look at those 15 issues and decide among your staff which of the, what are the top three that we need to solve today? Sure. One, two, three, and then go through this process of identify, discuss, solve with specific to-dos and accountability and if you still have time go back yeah. and do the next three 
So that's a that's a process that we teach. I think a lot of things too, though, that people have is you know they think that they're going to forget something. If you're going to forget something, chances are probably pretty good it's not that important. That's true. That's you know, true. Not saying everything because I forget, you know, a ton of stuff. But if it's that important, you will make sure it's done. Like if it is critical for success, mm-hmm. you'll make sure it, it gets done. If it's not critical for success, and you forget about it, you know, it probably wasn't that important to start well, off with. Well, you know, not the, always. But the, there's a um, <clears throat> what's that? What's that book? The um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective mm. People. Reading it right now, actually. So. <clears throat> the, the reason, good reasons, it's a classic. But there's that quadrant of uh, urgent, mm-hmm. and then the the other, the important quadrant is important, not urgent. And the problem with not having an issues list is you always live in urgent. Where if you were living in important but not urgent, you would spend more time there because you can do more creative thinking when something's not on fire. Sure. So you address it as an issue before it becomes a catastrophe. Sure. So, you know, that's another discipline that, that uh, I think I work when, well when people fire. do it. Yeah, well, sometimes, yeah, well, you're, you know, you're a, you're a fireman, so. Yes. You, uh, yes, you can I stand that. that. Uh, I actually thought about it. Go big for a fire like, department. It does kind of make sense. Um, but it is, you know... Not that I'm a deadlines kind of guy, but I'm definitely more of, uh, I will, if it has to be done by this time, I will get it done. Like I am a last minute kind of thinker. Cause I, and, and I've realized this, I take the whole period beforehand mm-hmm. to think about it. Yeah. I just don't do anything about it. And yeah. then when the time comes and it's got to get done is when it's just a lot of people work on adrenaline, and mm. that's their, their their preferred mode. And like I say, it, it's perfectly great if you if your accountability is only to yourself. Sure. But if you have a team of people, they're just they're not going to want to work that way no. after a while because they'll burn out. Yeah. They need predictability, and and they need to be able to give that to their teammates. Mm-hmm. That's the reason for getting out of that emergency mode it tires people out mm-hmm. so we try to avoid that makes sense um definitely makes sense i feel like i feel like if you're a business owner and you don't have processes that you follow regularly like i feel like just naturally you'd want to write the stuff down you know mm-hmm. so you don't forget it you know i feel like you know, and I'm not a big business yet, but, you know, it's kind of like everything in life. Until you do it so much that it's like putting your pants on in the morning, mm-hmm. like, you got to, like, write that down. You know, you got to, like, it's got to be, you know, if it's not a grand in your brain, you know, it's like writing an essay. I don't do it all that much. So what's the first thing I do? Google. Essay, you know, essay templates. Boom. Okay. The, you know, here's my idea. Then I got to write this. Then I got to write, you know. Mm-hmm. Three supporting paragraphs. You know, I high school stuff. Mm-hmm. I suck at writing. It just never was gifted with it. But you know, and then I and then I'm so bad at writing that I know that after I put it through, you know, after I put it through Grammarly, and I you know, then I got to reread it, and then I got to put it through Grammarly again, and then I got to pass it off to a proofreader, whoever mm-hmm. that may be, right. because I'm just not gifted in that regard. But you'd you know. be surprised. You'd be surprised. There, there are so many. Running millions companies. of dollars, million dollar companies. Yep, yep. And and the thing is, when you're growing oh fast, 
uh, and you have a great business, what you don't necessarily know about is like how much uh, leaks, how much leaks through the floor. You know, if you had if you didn't have do-overs, mm -hmm. uh, there, there's uh, there, there's an, a, a guy I know that had a company where um, they had to make deliveries. They, every day they would, they would make deliveries of equipment. And they would always be, and they'd go from Manhattan to New Jersey or Manhattan out to the Hamptons. Sure. And inevitably, something was left off the truck. Then they have to go, so they have to send another truck two hours out to the Hamptons if they're lucky and two hours back. And now, now it's costing you six hours of labor plus gas. Yeah. So that person's got to wait two hours for that other stuff. Uh, uh, it's, uh, yeah. So you have an annoyed customer and then you also, so now why is this? Because if there, if there was a written process, people weren't following it. And a lot of times that's because written processes are too long and hard to understand. And people don't like just checklists. Checklists are the e oh, not gonna say any names, but goddamn, checklists <laughs> would have saved so much time in a company I worked for, mm -hmm. and the amount of times that stuff was forgotten. Yeah, like easy stuff. Like I'm not even talking right complicated stuff, but it was like whatever was forgotten was it was vital right there. to the mission. Right, and it was right there on the checklist and. Um, either people ignore the checklist or don't have one. I don't know what it is about human nature. It must be something where people just, they're, they're in, inherently, um, I guess there are people that are risk takers and they, they want to, they're, they're, they're pretty sure, they want to guess, but they're not sure. There's a great book called The Checklist Manifesto. It's I think, written by a, a surgeon. Oh, I believe it. And, you know, surgeons are big checklist people because uh, people yeah, die. Yeah, you want to leave a goddamn scalpel in somebody. So are pilots. You know, when it's life and death, the checklists come in, you know, checklists <laughs> All are those used. people seem to use they, checklists. The, the life and death people tend to use it. But the people where it's just going to cost you $500 more to get something, to get a $20 item somewhere, and, if, and your business, just, you know, your business is growing, sales are good, profits are good, and that's the time when you, when you just like, oh, just like get it out there, who cares if we... If we make mistakes, but that's just money out of the owner's pocket. So I care about that stuff because my clients are business owners. So, sure. you know, and if it can be solved through a simple process thing, that would be, and it usually it often can be. It has to be. Now, how, do you fix, how do you fix carelessness? I was going to say stupidity. Well, care, you know, stupidity. carelessness is a, is a people issue, right? And so there are there are a couple of things and it's 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 interesting i mean no, certainly if you have a checklist mm -hmm. and you still forget yeah an item yeah you know was the checklist correct or you know was your shipping whatever stuff correct yeah or are you just that careless that you didn't should double check what you already have there there can be so many uh things that can go wrong with with human beings so I think, and, and you also have to tell people, like when you have employees, how many times, how many people follow an instruction the first time? Very few. Sure. And, but by the time you tell someone for the seventh time, they're, they're following it. And so the business owner's burden is you have to be willing to tell people something seven times to get, to get through to them. Mm -hmm. You know, this, you made this error. It's the, the error is predictable because of the 
checklist, which you didn't follow, or you followed the checklist but still made an error, so that means that the checklist isn't clear or something else is going wrong. We need to address it. And, and then it, all, it, it also gets to, well, does the per, you, maybe this is a person you love and who has great values that embody the company and what you want to promote to everybody, but they're just not good at their job. And in that case, you have a problem and you need a different person if they're going to not be able to do the job following Now, what do you through. tell an entrepreneur like that? What do you tell? What do I tell them? Yeah. Uh, what, what I say is you have to have the right people in the right seats. You have to have people who can execute and also embody the company's culture and values. You have to have both. And if you, don't, if you have one without the other, it's going to kill you. And it's, it's, I've had so many in my 17 years of coaching, uh, so many instances where someone, uh, a business owner or an executive is, we're, we're having a conversation about how to terminate an employee that's been there for a while. And I always ask the question, how, when did you know that you were going to have to terminate this person? I would say the average is, 12 to 18 months. They know for 12 to 18 months that this is the wrong person, and that's how oh. long it takes them to do it. So they know for 12 to 18 months, and after that year, then they finally squash. Yes, and they, so they and pay they, them an extra. They pay them a whole year's salary, <laughs> and they knew that the, this person is not going to make it for essentially one of these two reasons: they don't have the skill level, or they don't, or 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 they they don't have. Uh, they don't fit with the company. It's usually one of those two things. And they now know what it. it. Emotion. From what prevents them from doing it? Or? Yeah, fear and emotion, and and yeah, just being paralyzed. And because who wants to have that conversation? Nobody. Well, nobody. Nobody. Now, but, how but, do, you, do you coach people on how to have that? Of course, of course. What is that conversation? You know, I don't want you to give away the secret yeah, sauce, but like, I mean, what does that conversation go like? Yeah. Because you know, I'm a very much so cut dry. Bullet to the back of the head, boom, let's end it right now. <laughs> Not saying I'm killing nobody, but, like, right. that's how I pretty much run my whole life. Like, I had a guy the other day on the phone. He called me up. He was prospecting me uh, as a creative design agency, and he's like, you know, he's asking me all these questions. He's throwing out all these numbers that are way obscured for, like, what I could afford and what my clients could afford at the mm -hmm. moment. And I'm like, I basically yelled at him on the phone. I'm like, why are we even having this conversation? You did, you did not do your homework correctly. Because you would have realized that I'm way too small of a company, and your questions suck. Like, why are we even still talking? You've now wasted 20 minutes of my life mm -hmm. on me. You know, I'm like, this is insane, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, not that I had to fire this guy, but I'm like, yo, don't call me again. I'll right. call you when I'm ready. Right. Or reach out to me in a couple of years, and then we can have a conversation. But right now, it's not the right time, mm -hmm. you know? Well, it, to, to terminate an employee, usually the – key thing is you have to be able to identify three things mm -hmm. that are that went that have gone wrong i mean obviously all the stuff about documentation and legal advice sure. and all those things having and having a written process for how you do warnings and terminate people and severance and legal and all sure. that stuff that's all assumed <clears throat> but if you say to somebody I'm terminating you because you did this thing. And unless it's like an egregious thing, if it's sort of the sort of thing where um, it's it's not it's bad, but it's not catastrophic, someone's going to come up with an excuse. That wasn't my fault. That was so and so's fault. 
Yeah. And then you say, oh, well, that I just had that one thing. If you have two things, your case gets a little stronger. When you have three, the person can't deny. Like, I, I'm, give, I'm presenting you three separate okay. reasons sure. why this is not, why you are not a good fit for this job. And, you know, and again, all the, all the performance improvement plan stuff, but you need to have, if you have three reasons, three solid reasons, then it's just that conversation and you can do what you need to do. And you're better off doing it when, when uh, sooner. I was going to say, it's got to be because you're doing it sooner. It, 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 it the, the pain, you're going to have the pain anyway. So mo- most people, most companies don't especially in this environment, they don't look forward to having to recruit people because it's hard these days. Labor sure. is at a premium. So you think, well, he's the devil I know, you know, and I'll, or I'll keep this person until I find someone else. And the, as long as you have that person who you know you're going to terminate, as long as they're there, it, 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 it keeps you from really making it very important to find their replacement. Sure. Because it's sense. sort of, it's, it's, yeah, like, hey, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll muddle through done. next year when we're in planning. Even if there's a million excuses. 80, you know, even if they screw up only 20% of the time. Right, yeah. You know, oh, you know, the next guy. Yeah. The one thing is the what ifs. You know, what if the next guy's worse? Well, it's you're never going to figure know. that one out if you don't try. Yeah. So, yeah. Let, let, when, you, when you know someone is wrong, do is, something about it. Is that it like an easy owner. way to let people go? Like, hey, look, you kind of suck at your job. <laughs> We're going to give you a month left to work. We want you to, you know, we don't want you to, you know, we're not throwing you out in the ocean here. Right. But we, we're kicking you off the ship in 30 days. Well, that's usually, the time period you got. usually what will happen is if you, if you, that's why companies do performance improvement plans. You, you present someone and you say, here are the things that are going wrong. And in a lot of cases, maybe the majority of cases, when you have that conversation with someone, they will leave themselves. You won't need to. Mm. terminate them if you say that we have we have a 30-day period of time where you've got to turn this around uh, a lot of people will take that time to say i'm not interested in turning it around and they'll and they'll leave after 30 days oh so it takes the stress off you basically it it doesn't always happen that way sometimes people want to you know absolutely want to try and turn things around but it's which is great if they can if they can turn it around great Finding, like you said, finding labor is but, impossible. But here's the other thing. It should never come as a surprise to people. You should never have to have that conversation because it should be obvious from getting back to the data, right? If someone, everybody in the organization ought to have a number that they're responsible for. So when you've got your measurables and you've got your scorecard and you've got your company quarterly rocks and you've got your individual quarterly rocks, everybody has a responsibility at least one thing, one number per quarter, if not more, and they're either doing it or they're not. They're, they're uh, hitting it or they're not. I gotta make an introduction for you. One of the one of my previous, one of my prior guests, uh, previous prior uh, guests, this guy Noah Noah Pusse, I think is how you say his last name. Um, he ha- he has a software called Ripple, and that software is helps employees figure out what how they're performing, mm-hmm. but it's not just admin that's giving the reviews it's their other it's their fellow co-workers yeah you know and if you just see you know hey tony's doing great 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 and one person ranks them down like the the shit list basically mm-hmm. 
and then everything else is great, 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 great. You know, okay, so and so is not having a, you know, it's it's you know, it could be randomized and stuff like that. You know, somebody's having a problem with X Y Z person. Right. If everybody's ranking him high, but then again, you know, you could also say, hey, everybody's ranking him low, or if he's not getting along with the team, and everybody's going to start ranking him low, maybe there's a problem there. Yeah. Well, big companies do three sixties, and they get very. Very uh, <clears throat> complicated, sure. you know. But we, we have a super simple thing. It's called the people analyzer, and it's like one page. So picture just a, a single page, and you've got names in the first column of employees, and then uh, or the first uh, names in the first column, you know, filling the rows. And then uh, on the columns at the top, you have the company's core values, and I work on company work with companies to make sure that they know and can articulate what their core values are sure. as an organization. So we, we 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 get that. Then you're going to score each employee on a regular basis with one of three scores: a plus, a minus, or a plus minus. A plus is they exhibit that core value most of the time. A minus is they don't exhibit that core value most of the time. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Yeah. Then you have to do one other thing. you got to say, where's the bar? So I've heard uh, there, there are some companies where, let's say, um, innovation, constant innovation mm-hmm. is a, a core value. And I've, I've had uh, an instance where they say, well, the, the bar for that has to be a plus minus because we can't have people – you know they can't people can't innovate all the time yeah you know be fried. <laughs> and you you know great ideas and genius don't work that way so we'll we'll allow a plus minus hey sometimes they're innovative and sometimes they aren't that sounds like a human being so but that's fine yeah. but that's where they set Crazy the bar right that's where they set the bar sure. that's in their case sure but if it's something like uh customer comes first you know, and like that's that's a that's a it's value. Be a plus. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be a plus. And if someone is a minus, well, they need to know. Like you can, and it, what's great about this is you don't need any other verbiage. You just need to be able to say that, hey, you know, the the leadership team and our customers um, say that most of the time you're not embodying the customer comes first as a as a value. Sure. So here's where you stand. It's like super crystal clear. People analyzer, one page. Get all your people ranked on one page. Do you page. think the customer sometimes has a better idea of what's going on in a certain company or with an individual than other people in that company? Like, for example, if sure. XYZ human is dealing with XYZ customer and it just seems like no customers either get along with this guy or most of them do, but there's a significant portion of them. You know, not everybody's going to like me. I have just, you know, I try to be a super likable person. Most, I would say most people like me, but the people that don't like me really mm-hmm. don't like me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would probably say, you know, I don't know what percentage that is, but do you guys have like a percentage of like, hey, you know, okay, well, you know, one, you know, one customer doesn't like XYZ person, but the other 25 do. You Look, getting back to the scorecard, why wouldn't you have as your if, – if your management team and let's say there's an executive or a leader in charge of client experience, client service, right? And let's say you've got, you know, 100 customers. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that that person for sure ought to be doing is something like a, an annual or quarterly net promoter score, let's say. Something where you get a very simple, 
uh, grade from your customers, which you administer through a survey, and you say, would you recommend to your, this company to a to a friend or colleague, and you get a score. Mm-hmm. And if oh, that's where they get it from because I see that question all the time. Net promoter score. Uh, yeah, you take you take the promoters minus the detractors, and it gives you the your yeah, net promoters. You throw at the middle the people that are wishy-washy, and so you get your net promoter score. And it's a it's just a, it's a universal um, instant measure. Now you could say that we we need to have um, a, a customer approval score of uh, seven out of ten. You know, every uh, every week, or something like that, or we need to have no more than five percent of our customers calling in with a complaint. And yet, of course, you have to have the ways to measure that. Yeah. So then it's very obvious, you know. And if you can, you can, and if you see these things are out of whack, if you see that one week, like every week, yeah, we have you know two two percent of our customers call with a problem, let's say of any of any kind, and then one week it's fifteen percent. And then you, you you figure out where the complaints are coming to and how they're not being handled. Well, then you know you have an issue. And then in your weekly meeting, you say, we have an issue. where We have a spike in customer complaints. We need to get to the root cause. Maybe we change something. Maybe there's, maybe there's a problem with the product. Maybe it's not the person. Sure. You know, maybe we have a defect in the product. And so you get to the root cause and fix it. So a lot of what I'm understanding is EOS is based, is built heavily on data and information, accurate information and recorded information. Mm-hmm. Do you see a lot of people or business owners not using anything at all? Like how does, like, how does that work? Like, cause for me, I come from a tech background. Mm-hmm. I think it's idiotic that people aren't, you know, you know, I've I've seen customers, especially when I was with the old company, and I'm like, oh, you know, how do you guys run your process? Oh, you know, it's all paper, pen and paper, and it goes here and it goes here, mm-hmm. and I'm like, holy sh! How do you, how are you guys still around in the it's, 21st century? Well, like, it's okay if if it's not a growth oriented business and they're just there. If if it's a, a stable business where they don't really care about growth mm-hmm. and they're just running out the clock or but if if you want to grow it and increase the value, you have to measure things. I, I I've known businesses where the, the the whole measurement is from the owner's perspective is how much do I have in my checking account, sure. and if I have enough, I'm good. It must mean that I'm making enough sales and that my expenses are are reasonable, and not, and I don't need to know anything else. Sure. So, but that's not typical, and it's certainly not typical in in any company that wants to grow. So, but you don't have to. Over, the key is keep it simple. Any company, you think, what are the just just give me five, give me five things that sure. are the real drivers of the company of the business, you know, yeah. and just and, and someone's got to keep track of those five things, and mm-hmm. pretty soon, uh, you're running the business by the numbers, and you're feeling a lot better about it. Doesn't take a long time to to get there. Sure, yeah, no, it, it just you know that's that was my whole thing is like you know as soon as I started my my own business. You know, it, the first like two weeks, I put everything in an Excel sheet, and after that, it went right into Salesforce. Mm-hmm. You know, and now it's in HubSpot. But I just, you know, even in the first two weeks, the only reason why I was on Excel for two weeks is because I was just trying to figure out what, it, you know, what software I was going to use. But I'm like, how does anyone possibly keep track of anything? Yeah. 
without you know without using technology. Like I get, I understand that it it used to, but technology also didn't used to exist. And if it did, it was crazy expensive. Yeah, it is insanely cheap now. Yeah, you know why? Why wouldn't you want to? I think I think most people do. I think most people do, and they're getting and everyone's getting better at it, especially when their consciousness gets raised about it. Oh, I think I just remembered the the, the sixth key component of of the EOS model that I forgot to mention earlier, but I mentioned it subsequently is issues. If it, companies that are really good at solving issues hmm. on an ongoing basis like we don't have good data, so where do we get it? Hmm. Um, and how do we uh, how do we get the data to be um, consistent and managed correctly? How do we get people to be accountable to it? What changes do we have to make in our processes uh, to, to reflect what we see in the data? Sure. To make the business better and healthier. Sure. So that was bugging me. I couldn't remember what the sixth thing was, but there it is. I should know this by mm. heart. I do, but... Yeah. It's Friday. It's Friday. Look, I'm yawning. <laughs> I'm tired. I was in meetings all day. You were in another state today. You know, I give you the pass today. I appreciate uh, it. Because I'm taking one too myself. Uh, and, and as I'm sitting here, my body's slowly like, oh, you don't have to be in that suit. Let's just relax. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, my God. And I'm a little fluffy now. self. I did this time. I've, I've been no a while. We don't have to, we're not on television. I put, a, I put that top button on today. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. You, you know, you don't really take breathing for granted until you put on a really tight oh. neck sh- shirt. The rest of the shirt fits great, but, you know, uh, I, between working out jujitsu and stuff like that, my neck is slowly getting a little bit larger. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that hurts. Yeah, that hurts. well, just breathing is You can't is nice. breathe. Breathing is, is a nice so Eating luxury. also, drinking. Drinking is not that hard, but, you know, eating a nice lunch. Uh, you know, those things, those things are nice. Um, but... Now, what is the most common problem you see with entrepreneurs? I'm very curious. The it, yeah, it's uh, I, I've I've worked in your for, experience. Uh, yeah. I don't want you to give me like the generic know. answer. No, I I've spent how old am I now? I'm 61, so I've I've spent about you know the better part of 30 plus years working with entrepreneurs and being one, and probably more time working with them uh, as either a chief operating officer or a company president working for yeah, an just owner. Just move the microphone a little closer to you. You know, work, <clears throat> being, working for an owner. And I think the, the biggest con- consistent thing I see is entrepreneurs that don't want to let go. They what? They don't want to let go of having control or what they perceive as control over absolutely everything. They, entrepreneurs, it's it's sort of like, um, you know, the, the analogy is it's, it's someone's baby. We've all heard that idea. And the idea that uh, you're not just going to let anybody uh, babysit your baby. And which is an owner's prerogative. They can do what they want. But the problem is that if they don't, delegate and elevate themselves to their unique ability, mm-hmm. the business is not going to grow. So it's all according to, do they want growth? So we go through this exercise of looking at what do you, uh, kind of a four quadrant thing, where one, one quadrant is, um, I'm, I'm, I love doing 
and I'm great at. Another is I like doing and I'm good at. Then below, it's I don't like doing and I'm not good at. And then it's I hate doing and I'm really bad at. So is, is there, there's not a category for I like doing, but I'm not good at. Um, it, that, that may be one of the, maybe that should be one of the writing, categories. Writing is mine. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But the idea is that most people are not spending their time doing what they, that most people spend too much time and entrepreneurs spend too much time doing what they're good at, but they don't particularly like, mm. but they're the best person at it. I used to be like that. I'm a really good writer. So I had a promotion and marketing person, but I could, you know, create the marketing material faster sure. than that person sure. and better. So I would do that. Very bad thing to do mm. because that's not my unique ability. Yeah. I don't know what my unique ability is, but it wasn't that. Sure. And it, it eliminates the possibility of my doing more uh, complex, creative things. And I think that's that I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like that. They, they are afraid of letting go and they need to let go to grow the business. Yeah. That's, that's one thing, you know, I think about all the time is, you know, I'm like, I'm so excited to have employees and grow big enough that I can have employees that work, you know, part-time or full-time, you know, but that's the whole point of hiring people. You know, my opinion is, you know, hire people smarter than you or just as smart. If they're not as smart, at least they contain other stuff that you don't have so you can work in conjunction with them until you find an additional person you know that could do it and then grow in that regard so yeah you might need two people that need to you know fill that one person's spot but also check what other categories they thrive in and you leverage that to your best sure. to your ability and, and and there are people who do that masterfully yeah. i mean and <clears throat> their companies grow fabulously huge i i worked for uh lending tree when it was a startup sure. and the the guy who founded it was um he, he was when the company was small um uh, he, he was a i think a, a micromanager um but and i'm talking about when the company had like 15 people sure but he was really focused on growing the company, on hiring uh, good people fast, and on adopting the processes that would allow the company to assimilate those people. And I worked a lot um, on creating the process component mm. so that there was a structure for these people to, to grow into. Sure. And the reason that company became so successful is because ultimately – the CEO, who was never a CEO of anything before, was a very smart guy, is a very smart guy, still the CEO of the company, and figured out uh, how to delegate mm -hmm. and elevate to his unique ability. Sure. His unique ability, in my mind, is the ability to grow a fabulously successful, huge company sure. uh, and understand uh, that it's going to be built by other people. And, and I, by the same token, I've worked for entrepreneurs that kind of maxed out where they got to 50, 60 people, couldn't overcome their, their micromanagement uh, ability or micromanagement proclivity. And the companies, uh, I, can, I can think of one, I won't name it, but uh, it, it sold kind of in the nick of time uh, in the dot-com boom, but it was pretty much maxed out. 
because there was no that 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 person led with an an iron hand and mm-hmm. that was that was it sure so yeah it, you can be any kind of ceo you want or any kind of entrepreneur you want it's, if it's your company but to, it, it, i guess it depends on what you're trying to build sure no absolutely um I think that's a large, large part of it is a lot of times people don't know what they're building, you know, or they don't have, you know, the, the one thing that I really see a lot of is there's no end goal and defining, you know, I'm a big proponent of defining everything, mm-hmm. you know, define what success looks like, define your goals, define this, define this, you know, I was speeding, well, define speeding, <laughs> Because I had full control over my car, but the law is 55 miles an hour or whatever it is. Right. You know, you know, there's there's so many times that I see, and and this is very much so that I in the fire service, and nothing nothing against the fire service, but it's, you know, define so many different things. You know, what, define what a good job is. Define what a bad job is. Mm-hmm. You know, if a good job is just simply putting the fire out, well, yeah, it's pretty much always going to happen. So you're always going to do a good job. But if a good job you define as saving as much of the house as possible and causing the least amount of damage while executing the fire in a very safe manner, then that's real success. Yes. But you have to, you know, everybody has to figure that out. The, the goals part is is pretty critical. Uh, and when we when we do an EOS implementation with a company, <clears throat> we do this thing called Vision Building Day, and it starts with. Uh, answering a, a bunch of really critical questions, but, but among them are, what's your 10-year target? So we, it doesn't have to be 10 years. It could be five, could be 20, but we'll, sure. but we'll say, you know, take a, take a really far look out. What, what are you building here? Sure. We want to be a $100 million business by 2030, whatever, whatever it might be. There has to be that big, ambitious goal. <clears throat> then we get into the the uh, marketing strategies <clears throat> that are going to make that possible. And then we talk about okay, you've got your ten year picture. What's you got your ten year target? What's the three year picture look like? Very simply, what are the what are the revenues and net income going to be of this company in three years? And what's it going to look like? What are the six, seven, eight bullet points of that would describe what the company will look like in three years. When you have that down, you can then get into, you have a, you have a 10-year target, a three-year picture, then you can get into a one-year plan. And the, there's a difference between target, picture, and plan. Sure. Target is like way out there. The moon's a target. Sure. The three-year picture is you have a picture in your mind. Sure. The plan is what we're going to execute, and then it's a one-year plan, and it's what are the three to seven, and that's a specific range, uh-huh. three to seven critical goals for in the one-year plan that if you execute, have a very good chance of helping you get to the three-year picture and the 10-year target. And then once you have that, you can go even one step <clears throat> further and say, okay, what are the 90-day goals and who's responsible for them, the three to seven 90-day goals that will roll up into your being able to have to, to meet your one-year plan. Mm-hmm. So it's this building block 
thing, but you have to know where you're going or any road will get you there. You got to define it. Yeah. So it's a cascading thing of, you know, way out here and then moving the goals closer and closer in so that you can execute every week. Sure. I mean, you know, and, and I think goals and, and defining a lot of things in life is, is not even just so important in, in entrepreneurship, but like, um, you know, I see a lot of, you know, kids, you know, between the ages of, let's say, 18 and 30, um, and I fall into that category, That, but they don't really have a definition for anything in life. Or, you know, they say, you know, I'm, I want to be retired by 52. Well, it's great. You know, or I want to be retired by 40 or something like that. You know, or I want to be retired by 62. Well, that's great. Well, you know, the time to plan is not at 60 for the two-year goal. The time to plan is now so you know that you can't buy a brand-new Infinity today mm-hmm. because you're not investing any money to hit your goal. The sooner you hit your goal, the sooner you get your Infinity. Some people are goal-directed and some people are, are just not. That's you know, what it comes down to. Or just logic, you, you know. Yeah, but you—it's—it's it's amazing how if you're if you're a business owner and an entrepreneur that's that that put that puts everything at risk. Sure. Chances are that you, you if you're if you're not a uh, if you're not goal oriented, you you will wash out, <clears throat> and most do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the successful ones. I've never known a successful entrepreneur that didn't have a really good vision of where they wanted to be 10 plus years out and how they were going to get there. The ones that are successful know that sometimes they need help in getting in in the tools that that's what we do, giving them the tools to map it in a simple way. It's kind of in their head and getting it from in their head onto a sheet of paper is, is challenging. That's probably the hardest part. But when they do, it opens up a lot of things. It, it makes it makes it possible to bring other people into the picture to help you achieve what your vision is. Sure. Because you can't if it again. It, this is this is for growth companies, for businesses that don't care, and there are plenty of them. And hey, if you can afford to have a lifestyle business where you don't care about growing, God bless. You know. uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I would like that. You know, I'm a big proponent though, and you know, if you're not growing, you're gonna die. You know, because if you're just putting out a subpar everything, you know, if you're not putting out a subpar everything, you're invested in creating an excellent product. Yeah. Which means you're probably invested in growing. Maybe you might s- decide you don't want to get any bigger. Mm-hmm. But like, look at Brian Farms. Mm-hmm. People drive 45 minutes. People drive an hour over an hour to get their damn pies. But they ain't making a whole. They ain't turning in the tates. You know, not right. that I know of. No, t- no time soon. Right. You know, so you no, know. I wasn't there. That's not their dream. Sure, you know, and 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 whatnot. Tate's would have been my dream. That would, that's pretty cool. They got I acquired. Um, I forget so, who acquired them, but you know, man, what I'm a so sweet tossed thing. up about Tate's. I don't their know. Their, I don't know the people. Yeah, but they got a, they established a great brand. I mean, it's it's, it's but a, their brand yeah. and their story and their distribution killer. Yeah, and they're killer. they're a you know, local Long Island company. They've got the packaging down nicely. It looks very fresh. It looks very. Very niche, like sure. something you'd buy at a gift store, and you do see it in gift stores. And they've got, they've got distribution in the right places. I mean, you know, their their packaging looks like it, it's local. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, look yeah, manu- you know. doesn't look manufactured. Sure, 
Sure. Like Oreos. I, I, it's just funny because, like, I, you know, people say, oh, do you want a cookie? You know, of course, you know, I'm a fluffy fellow. Of course, I want a cookie. <laughs> but, like, you know, if it was their cookies or, you know, a half a dozen other brands. Right. Theirs is probably not ranking towards the top uh-huh. of that list. Uh-huh. But it also depends on who's that list. Because if it's Tate's Hostess and whoever, you know, Entomans or whatever, right. you know. Okay, maybe Tate's is a shot at number one. Yeah. But, like, if you're taking a broad range of, you know, delicious cookies, because yeah. obviously I've had a few, <laughs> you know, they're not that good. No, they're they're not that good. And, you know, nothing uh, – listen, you, you don't have to have a niche company. Look at – look at. I mean, Entenmann's is another great example. I'm not saying uh, they're bad people, by the way. I don't no, know they're, they're great. They're, bad. they're hugely successful. They're just, yeah, they're, they're just, you know, they're not my favorite. They're good. Right. You know, I will have them, but, right. you know, I don't think that it's in the upper echelon of right. delicious cookies. But they, my guess is that they've had a pretty good idea of what they wanted to build and how they wanted to build it. And then all of a sudden, whoever bought them came around with, I don't know, some uh, it was some huge amount of money. It was like in the hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm, I'm pretty sure we could Google this one. It was like $400 million. I was It was a big amount of money. A little kid started it, though, with, yeah. her, with her mom. Yeah. Uh, I love stories like that. That's great. How much did Tate's cookies sell for? Let's find out. Yeah, we need to know. Holy shit. It's like 400-something million. $500 million. There we go. Okay. Tate's Bake Shop, home of America's number one chocolate chip cookie, recently sold to Mondela's International for $500 million. Yeah. They're a huge brand. (laughs) They're a huge brand. Mondela's is huge. God damn. You remember Famous Amos? There was another terrible yes, cookie. Uh, famous. They're cook- yeah, cookies. Yeah, they were, they were chocolate chip cookies. They were they were crummy, but they had that. They had this guy with a you know big personality. Famous Amos, Amos cookies were delicious. Oh, you like those? Oh my god, I would buy Famous Amos tenfold over over. They're, but they're they're gone now. I haven't seen a Famous Amos cookie ever. This is, see now this is this is the worst part about being a fluffy fella. There is nothing <laughs> sexier than pouring one of those bags into a bowl and covering it with milk and eating it. <laughs> like like God like my buddy, uh, my buddy is a skinny dude ripped. My buddy Dave, and and he lives at, he moved to California and he's just shredded and he makes a, he makes an Instagram post in the almost every morning of a large pint gl- cup or glass. Of Oreos and he just pours milk over it, smashes them up, people and like it. that. And I'm like, you don't even like understand. Nah. I gain weight eating yeah. salads. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. And way. you get to eat whatever yeah. you want, as yeah. much as you want. I know. It's, life isn't fair. Like God, totally not fair. I'm jealous of people for two things: their metabolism and their hair. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you ain't got shit on me elsewhere. But goddamn, if yeah. there is something that I'm jealous over, yeah. it's probably one of those two. Ca- yeah, like, it's understandable. You drive the nice car. I'll get the nice car. Right. You can't do anything about your your you know those other the other yeah. things. You know, losing weight, I can. But like, at what cost? Buying a Lamborghini <laughs> is definitely easier than losing a hundred pounds. That's There's true. No doubt about it. That is true. Uh, the same thing falls into you know, I'd rather not get hair implants or whatever right. it is. But like. The guy in the pizza place across the street at Satellite, this guy Marcus, he's got the best goddamn hair on the planet. Mm-hmm. Pretty good pizza too. Yeah, jet black hair, thick, luscious locks. It's long. Like I just want to rub my hands through it just right. to remember what good hair feels like. <laughs> but like guy hair, it's different than girl. Yes. Hair. You know, because guys, most guys, you know, I used to, I used to have really nice hair, believe it or not, and now it's all gone. But 
you know, back in the day, I would just like I what I would do to just throw it back ten years mm. and just yeah, if you if you had known, and that's it. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have kept it because personally, like after you know, in, in another week or so, this is gonna drive me bananas. But <laughs> if I could go from this to that in like that, yeah, that would be good. <sighs> Santa, I know what I want for Christmas. The six pack, I'll go get that at Seven Eleven. But goddamn hair. Mm-hmm. But totally off topic. That's that's quite all right. Goddamn, it's, it's Friday. I, I can't. So this drives me nuts. Tate's Bake Shop, half a billion dollars. Yeah. Blue Point Brewery, twenty-five million. What, what the shit? Twenty-five million? That's no. Yeah, tw- that's it. That's all. Tw- I think it was like twenty-four point one. I'm actually. Oh, I'm gonna I hope Google not. Right now. That's a. That's that's. Theft. That was true. But I will say they've kept their. I mean, Blue Point is still Blue Point. I oh, I see. I'm the other way. You don't think so? Uh, Do you st- did you ever go there? Like when they had the uh, you know kind of the, the, the sampling hours and stuff. You just go get no. A couple of, oh, I used uh, to love to do that. But I did drink a lot of their beer. We used to go and and you'd, you'd pay before they got bought. You'd pay a couple of bucks and you you get like just samples of beers all all day long. That was pretty cool. Uh, oh, it had see. to be more than 25. twenty-four million. Yep, on February fifth. Seriously, it was announced that Blue Point. Oh my God! Was being sold to Anheuser Busch for twenty-four million. For twenty-four million dollars. At the time of acquisition, the brewery was distributed in nineteen states as well as Washington D.C. As of now, the brewery continues to operate in Patrick, New York. Uh, uh, operate in Patrick, wow. New York location, which is true I'm until shocked. the the you know I I don't know if it's officially they're going they're trying for the, um, January one they're trying to be in yeah, the new place gonna, right or no uh, I think it was December twenty seventh I yeah. did jujitsu with one of the guys that works there yeah um but that's absurd that Tate's didn't sell for that Blue Point didn't sell for more yeah I understand that it's a smaller market but. You know, I guess it's just a function of their my personal like, like my personal else, opinion. Their sales and, I think and they didn't hold on long enough. I, you know, if they held on for one more yeah. year, I think they could have put a, at least a one in front of that number. Well, I, I, but you know, the thing is, one in the hand. I mean, there, I can remember a company way, way back in the day, uh, in the internet days, and I, I worked in those in those times. There was a company called Pointcast, and Pointcast had this nifty little technology where they could push. Uh, news feeds to your desktop. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is before anything. Sure. I mean, it was sure, it was in the it was in the mid '90s. That's how long ago this was. Sure. And th- their their uh, browser basically sat on top of Internet Explorer. Sure. And you could see headlines that would scroll and stock prices that would scroll across your mm-hmm. desktop, and it was pretty cool. Sure. Uh, Fox offered them five hundred million dollars, and the dude turned it down. What? <laughs> oh my God! He turned it down. I'm not saying that I wouldn't take. <clears throat> I just want to make sure people understand that I'm, I'm clear. It's not. I'm not saying I wouldn't take twenty four million dollars. Right. But one, if you built a business to that big, don't you think you're worth a little more than twenty four million dollars? That's one. Yeah. Numero two, three partners. $24 million ain't that much money when you split it three ways. Yeah. It, On a 10-year payout? Yeah, I'm sure there was a reason. I'm sure there was a reason. But you know, sometimes, you're, you're, you're though. You're talking less than 10. Let, let's just, well, I'm going to do math right now because this it's is going to bother bird, me. It's the bird in the hand. $24 million. Divide that by three. 
Tax probably takes out a, a third. third. So you're talking, I don't even know what a third of $8 million is. At 2.4 million. So you're taking out minus 2.4, minus 2. So I hope you, I, I hope you have uh, 5.6 left <laughs> per person. 5.6 left. But then I guess you're technically raking in like a half million dollars a year because it took them, I think, 10 years to build Blue Point okay. each. So it's not, it's not that bad. No. But I definitely feel I like just, they if you would have asked me, I would have said, "Oh, they probably sold for a hundred million or something." But I, I didn't know what they're selling. I mean, they're such a big local brand, but we don't know. Like their distribution might have been. Oh, very I knew low. people all over that. They were nineteen states before they sold. Yeah, you know, like I, I just, I, I don't. You know, I, I obviously don't know what goes into the sale of a company and the purchasing of a company and stuff like that. But I just feel like if they, you know, they were right there on the brink of like insane success. But you know, like they could have, they could have had um, a lot of debt. They could have um, their sales might have plateaued. Sure. Without more expansion. Sure. You know, buyers. Oh, a bunch of things. There are all kinds of things. There must have been a reason. And they're also because you're in a mature industry. There are there are multiples that are pre-established. You know, yeah. Company, you know, in the in the in the beer brewing business, trades at a certain multiple of their profit of course, sure. and that's just the way it goes and it's hard to get it's hard to break out of the range but our friends at pointcast there was they they sold for a multiple they, they were offered a multiple of their losses because they didn't have any profit so and they turned down 500 million so there are there i i think the even though we could look at uh blue point and say gee they, they missed an opportunity i wonder if they still come up pointcast oh gosh no no I, someone might have bought the uh, the name for something else, but it's it's just one I, of those it's, it's one of those great early stories of the internet of, sure. of hubris taken to a you know a gargantuan level. Like what were they thinking? Five hundred yeah, million now. bucks, and there weren't even it didn't even have a, a super high valuation. They weren't like a big company with thousands of employees. They I was at their office. They had you know they might have had fifty people. I just, I just literally, this whole page thing is, is... It's just driving you crazy. Oh, my God. For half a million dollars. For, I mean, for yeah, half a billion, which a is... a lot of cookies. Great. I am so happy for that family. Yeah. But, like, God damn, that's a lot of money for some cookies. But some great beer. Um, yeah. You know, I feel like they, you know, like you know, like we said, you know, you don't really know what they... They're always, for, there's but. always the story, the, the inside story that the industry people know that we don't know. That's crazy. Um, mind blowing. I just cookies for half a billion dollars, mm-hmm. and I'll bet you they had a vision. I'll bet you that that this this didn't happen by accident. I bet you they knew where they were headed, how they were going to get there, and they had a plan. That's my guess. So none of it was surprising to them. They were probably building it with that. Oh, it only sold earlier this year. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. I thought it was maybe a year or so ago. Um, I'm so mind blown by that. I will not get over that for a while. <laughs> I just, I can't even fathom a company paying half a billion dollars for cookies. Like, you know, I guess you are paying for the story and all this kind of stuff, but, you know, there's, so there's a cookie place, and I'm going to give them a shameless plug. Two of them, actually. Or, uh, no, one of them. 
It's called Bang Cookie. It's over in Jersey City. Hmm. Holy shit. Their cookies off the wall good. Mm-hmm. I mean, all, like, talk about a wet dream. Right. For a coffee guy. <laughs> ba- I, B-A-N-G cookies? B-A-N-G. Yeah, right. Bang Cookies. Right. I was sitting in front of the computer one night, and I may have been under the influence of, of a drug. <laughs> and I'm like, this would be a good idea. Let's go spend $30 on these cookies. And I spent th- – and, and there's five cookies, not mind you. But they're literally like the size, size of a right. Whopper. Okay. Yeah. Like massive cookies. Right. They're but like they're a cake. So good. Uh-huh. They're so good. Uh-huh. You know, could not eat. You know, I would eat like a half of one in a sitting. But it was like <sighs> bang cookies. Sorry, bang cookies. Have to worth it. for that. You know, and I'm not an affiliate. I do not get paid for that plug. Um, but yeah, maybe I, you should. I woke up the next day and I'm like, did I just really spend thirty dollars on cookies? <laughs> <laughs> like I absolutely did, and I was like, I'm not sure if I should be concerned or really excited for them to come. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of where I was. That's a music studio next door, by oh, the way. Right. Um, so there's a couple of the questions I have for yeah. you based on based on EOS. Um, you know, a lot of business owners they run their business um, on gut instincts. You know, I feel like a lot of business, you know, most business owners. Do you think their gut's always right, always wrong, or they hesitate too much to proceed forward? I think there's a lot to be said for uh, for people who who have good instincts. And hey, it's all it's all retrospective. When when things go really well for people who were contrarians, and they run it they they ran it based on their instinct, then they're sure. then they're a genius. And when they ignored the data or went the other way. And and one, they're a genius, and they're a goat when when it didn't work out. Uh, you can. It, it's not incompatible to have really great instincts and also to have process and data and vision and good people, and the ability sure. to handle issues and the ability to be accountable and having great meetings. You know, you can you can be you can run your business with gut instinct, and all of those things. Oh sure. And I think I think a lot of a lot of people get into they become business owners because. They want that ability to say, yeah, I see the data and I'm going to, and I'm taking the data into account, but if my gut is telling me that, you know, <clears throat> Apple, it's a classic example. Apple didn't run their business by research. They ran it by what Steve Jobs wanted to sell people and people didn't know they wanted it until he offered it to them. Oh my God. So, so it, a lot of, I think there's a lot of success in stories like that. It's not always... Hey, the numbers tell the story. Just just do the numbers, and you'll and you'll be fine. I think instinct is uh, is hugely important. Fair enough. Um, he do you know he made his employees do drugs? I did not know that. He made his employees do mass. He and he too did massive massive amount of drugs, and he was a apparently an asshole to his employees. Yeah, well, that's a well. I, I didn't. I never read the biography, but yeah. you know his reputation definitely preceded he him did a as being not a nice guy. Of drugs. Yeah, I believe um, that. Yeah. Drop out of college. It's so funny because you know people are like you know why'd you start your own business? And I'm like, well, because I wanted to. Why? They're like, aren't you afraid you're not going to be successful? I'm like, uh, I don't really know if you know like the whole story behind like most like super successful people, but they typically all drop out of college. They're usually addicted to drugs and. <laughs> They have a clear vision of what they want in life. I right. Mean, they, have a, they, they, they follow a dream and, sure. and not are, saying I want to do Right. But, but they're usually contrarians yeah. and that's what, that's what wins. Like, Otherwise it's too boring. I mean, who wants to be the, 
you know, the, the, the 12th person to do something that everybody else has done, unless you have something better, faster, cheaper, different. Sure. Who, who cares? Sure. So, so that, that's the a pioneer. secret. So gut really does, instinct matters a whole lot. Sure. It mat- but it, and it's not incompatible with with the, the science part of it. That's the key thing. You, they, they exist nicely together. Yes, I agree. I agree completely. Um, it, it's just, it's always, it's, it's just so, it's so incredible. I feel like most, you know, you get a lot of these VC companies that, you know, are started up and stuff like that. But I feel like the truly, I mean, truly successful businesses, garages, basements, mm-hmm. wherever it is, you know, and, you know, hopefully warehouses. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff like that. It's just, it's incredible to see. Um, them transition and like transform. Well, these days too, you're most most companies, even the VC backed ones. They're I don't I don't see the the money being quite as um, they're not VCs these days aren't throwing money at ideas. It's, it's you know you have to have something something that works already and yeah. some sales and some customers. Mm-hmm. So you have to if you if you want someone else's money, it's it's not as easy maybe as it used to be because there are too many things that are known, too many failures that have happened that are sure. visible. Um, so you have to you have to have you have to you have to sweat. Sure. Uh, and I have one I have one more question for you because yeah. uh, you know. So obviously we've covered a lot strategy goals that you know how the EOS system works, but like so now how does a company you know work with somebody like you? Like what is that relationship like? Because mm-hmm. I feel like you're are you like are you a consultant? Are you not a consultant? Are you like a coach or? It's 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 a combination of coaching, consulting, and and facilitation. Sure. So, what what we'll do is if 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 I come in contact with a business owner who is interested in getting more out of their business, I will give them an, a ninety minute give them and their leadership team a ninety minute overview of EOS. Okay. For free, and I'll give them tools they can use whether they hire me or not. Mm-hmm. If they like what they hear, and I'll, I'll share that, that model of mm-hmm. the, the six core components and how we need to strengthen companies in those components. If they like that, then we move on to a series of uh, session days, a full day sessions. There's a, a focus day where we work through all of the tool set so that they understand it. Then we go into a vision building day where we, we do the, the long range planning. And that usually is there's a second vision building day to complete that. And those take place, those three days, focus day and the two vision building days, take place within 60 days of each other. So if we did the focus day today, in roughly 30 days, we're doing the first vision building day. 30 mm-hmm. days, we're doing the second vision building day. And then we're doing quarterly meetings after that. But each one is independent. So if somebody likes what they hear in the 90-minute meeting and they want to do the focus day, then I tell them, here's how much it will cost. Have a check ready for me at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. If you got value out of it, give me the check. If you didn't get value out of it, don't give me the check. Sure. And, and I, I, I say to them at the 90-minute meeting, be prepared mentally for a two-year commitment. But there's no contract. Sure. If you decide somewhere along the line that, hey, you know what? We got our value. See ya. That's totally fine. 
So we don't believe in long-term contracts or locking people in. We believe in giving first, and if they get value, they'll continue. And it's usually a two-year cycle, and when, um, when the two years is up, they, they either graduate, they're equipped to get, graduate, they know the tools, they're people, they're, the whole company up and down is running on EOS, and uh, they can, they, we can part at that time. Sometimes they want us to continue and continue. I was going to say, I feel like meetings. you'd almost want to continue. No, our, our goal, my goal is not to embed myself in a company when they really don't need me. Mm-hmm. It's to give them all the tools to be self-sufficient. Or, you know, not even so much that, but like, you know, like a kind of like going to the doctor's office, get a checkup. Hey, you know, let's sure. there, you know, once, you know, instead of, you know, once or twice a year as opposed to. Absolutely. Yeah. Times. And there's enough flexibility to do that. Uh, and, but that's great. If if they're running on EOS and it's and it's running great and they're growing uh, then and they want to just do a, an occasional checkup. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. So. My main goal is just to expose enough people to enough business owners and their leadership teams to uh, to sit with me for that 90-minute overview. Because if they do, they'll really see if they're growth-oriented, mm-hmm. uh, they will see the benefit. Sure. And that's it. The key is they have to be growth-oriented. Growth if you're not growth-oriented, then if you're content kind of being where you are and you don't need to grow, I think it's you're, you're not going to want to make – uh, the changes that you need to make for growth. So if you're uh, if you have 50 people today and next year you're going to have 40 or mm-hmm. next year you're going to have 50 again, uh, and you're kind of at where you need to be and it's just refining around the edges. I don't think you're going to be that interested sure. in getting strong in all these other areas. Sure, it's for growth companies. Gotcha. Now, do you think that there is like let's say there is somebody out there that you know like hey I'm going to be 50. 50 people this year, maybe 40 people next year, maybe 50 people next year, and really aren't striving to be the next, you know, $100 million, $200 million business, whatever it mm-hmm. is. And like you said, just refining. Do you think that, you know, that you could add value to them or they're not going to really see the value? Oh, sure. Or, oh, I, you know. I for sure could add value to them. Maybe they want to be more – maybe they don't want to grow sales. They want to they want to be more profitable sure. so that in three years they can sell the business, let's say. Sure. So yeah. they have to get more efficient. They have to get better process. They know that if they if we just want to stay at fifty million in sales, but you know what? Instead of making ten million dollars pre tax, we want to make fifteen. Sure. And we know we need to change to do that. So we have to get better and stronger at a bunch of things in order to do that. We don't know how. Yeah, we can help a company like that. Gotcha. So it could be growth. It doesn't have to be growth in sales. It sure. could be growth in profit. Do you ever <laughs> see like entrepreneurs that are like? Trying to figure out how to word this. Entrepreneurs that are smart enough to figure out their own problems, or is it very often, or you know, maybe by the time they even see you, they know, like, hey, I have problems and I don't know how to fix them. Mo- you know, or do you see? No you know, one would hire. No one would hire me if they felt like they had all the answers. The, you know, there, there has to be a pain point, and mm-hmm. they know that, hey, I've, I've taken this as far as I can take it without I making gotcha. a change. Otherwise. Yeah. If they think they know it all, mm-hmm. or they just, or they're just the sort of people where, like, hey, I just want people to do it my way. Sure. Then uh, I can't help. Sure. Makes they, total it, sense. It has to. They have to be open to change. Sure. 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 No, I just, you know, I always look at things like, you know, before I go to somebody else, how can I fix the problem? Or, you know, is there even really a problem? You know, am mm-hmm. I creating a problem? Or you know, if I don't do this, there's no problem and there's no adverse effect on the business. 
you know, is doing this fun or whatever, good or whatever it may be. Okay, maybe. But then, you know, I, you know, that's one thing I always think to myself or, you know, how do I track? How do I measure? How do I get the most value out of everything? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm still a small company, so it's super, ver- it's super easy to change. But, you know, does this work? Yes or no? Okay, no? Great. Put it in the don't do again pile. Right. Does this work? Yes. Oh, okay. How effective is it? On a one to ten. Is it a five? Okay, let's put this in the medium pile. You know, how, you know, business networking. How effective is this? For me, it's an eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, great. Put this in the highly effective. You know, yeah. if you're hitting more than 75, you're pretty highly effective in it. You know, and then you kind of figure all that stuff out to really, you know, at least in my eyes. And that's kind of like with everything I've tried to do and do in life, at least, is, you know, defining success because now what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Does going to the gym work for me? No, because I don't push myself hard enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So what's the next step in the process if that doesn't work? Well, going to the gym isn't not effective. It's just not highly effective. Mm-hmm. So it's go. It's better than doing nothing. But now if I can go play racquetball, mm-hmm. highly effective. Yeah. Because now I'm, you know, now I'm doing cardio and sweating and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, jujitsu. Effective? Highly. Do I want to go? No. I don't feel like getting choked. <laughs> My throat is still hurting from Monday. But... You know, I always, you know, I always try to, I, and I do this with like, weirdly enough, like everything. Like if it's, you know, if, even if it's stuff that I own, like Yeti coolers, how effective are they? They're extremely effective. How often do I use them? Pretty often. Also helps to have a supply of ice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I don't use something or I know I'm not going to use something for a certain period of time, I try to just get rid of it. Yeah. Immediately. Because I yeah, take it out of your line of sight so yeah. you're not distracted. No, well, not even distracted. Like, it just it serves no purpose. Right. You know, there's so many things that I've, you know, thrown out. I've thrown out garbage bags and garbage bags full of perfectly good stuff. Mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like selling it on eBay, you know, or I've donated it because it adds zero value to my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have, and, and just, you made me think of this when you, uh, when you talk about whether entrepreneurs really understand the, the, the moving parts of their business and, and can be satisfied. We have this nice tool. Uh, it's, it's called Organizational Checkup, and it's, it's or at organizationalcheckup.com. And it's like a five-minute assessment of your business, and you, you fill it out, and you get an instant score. Oh, that's cool. A scale of yeah, one so to five on things like how effective is your are your company meetings, for example, you know, sure. and, and things like that. And you can get a pretty good pulse on whether you're you're hitting what you want to hit. The key, though, is you got to be honest. Well, that's right. And I've had people fill them out where there's someone on the leadership team will fill it out. If you get but five, they have five a vest- on everything, bro. But they have a vested interest in, in answering the way they do, and sometimes it's not that way at all. And if someone else fills it out, the scores are very different. A, C- a business owner filling it out is different from uh, the head of marketing filling it out. The head of marketing is going to think that they're, you know, they're – their promotional strategy is great. That's why it's good for business own the, the CEO or the owner to sure. fill it out because they sure. really know sure. what's going they on. They also got to have a realistic approach on things. Yeah, right? and they're they're I feel inherently uh, not inherently dissatisfied people, but they're all good ones are always pushing. Sure, um, I think too though, and this could be for the next podcast because we're you know we're approaching an hour and a half pretty quickly. But like you know, first gen, second gen, third generation businesses. You know, the second generation business might rank things so differently than the first gen business because the first gen business might think everything's well and gravy because he built the whole thing. Yeah. And then you get, you know, a young buck that comes in 
like, you know, I would say myself, but I didn't inherit any business or, or anything like that. But, you know, a guy like me that comes in with a crazy technology background, you know, and, and a college education, stuff like that. And I don't think a college education makes me any better. But, you know, knowing computers and how they work and mm-hmm. operating, you know, stuff like that, going in there and saying this, this company, you know, it's a good company, but it runs like shit. We mm-hmm. could do so much, so much better in so many different areas and be so much more productive and this, that, and the other thing. And then... You know, you get the next generation owner where, you know, you have an 80-year-old, you have a 60, you know, 55, 60-year-old, and then you got a 40-year-old in there. And the 40-year-old is seeing, like, the technology. And the one before that was like, we need to implement this. And it's, you know, it's the older technology. And we don't need to change that. It's been working. And then the 80-year-older is like, it was fine before you guys destroyed the whole thing. <laughs> that's Family business is very complicated. That's very. a whole other subject. Yes. Uh, that's what I was saying. We could go into this yes, for hours. Yes, we could. Yes, uh, we could. But, you know, that that's what I see a lot in what I do now and a lot of what I did prior in the IT business was, you know, I would see business owners that were like, yeah, no, my company's great. And I'm like, I don't think you understand Com- these computers that I'm trying to sell you. I'm not trying to sell you because I make money on them. I mean, I make money, but it's shekels. I'm trying to sell you them because of how much – how fa- they will pay themselves off in, in a couple days mm-hmm. because of how much inefficiency you have because of how slow things are moving. And I'm just like, right. holy Jesus. Yeah, that's an eye-opener for a lot of business owners. You know, I don't think technology can solve everything, but I definitely think that technology can drastically yeah. improve a majority of things. I mean, that's so many businesses are just built based on technology now. So that's it. That's what that, – sure. that's the, that's the Look table at DoorDash. stakes. Yeah. DoorDash, you – so I just found this out. DoorDash now has agreements with restaurants. They don't even need to hand them the card because they can go in and just grab the food and go because mm-hmm. DoorDash has already paid the restaurant. Yeah. Like I work at Five Points Cafe in Sable on Sundays. You know, every time a DoorDash person comes in, they have to hand me the card. You know, we haven't officially signed up as the partner yet, but it's just like how much more efficient, you know, waiting around that three, four, five, you know, if the bartender's yeah. busy, whoever's busy, waiting five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine ten minutes. You know, that yeah, could be no the difference of that. an extra couple bucks an hour for that person driving. The customer is going to be happier because they're getting their food faster. Like, it just makes the whole thing yeah. revolve better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Huge proponent of just yeah, operational just efficiency. Grind, grind out the Life the efficiency. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge proponent of life yeah. efficiency. Yeah. If you could shut out, like, the negative stuff and just focus on what you're good at and stuff like that, I'm a firm believer. Elevate to your unique ability. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, we just crushed an hour and 27 minutes. Well, quick. Went yeah, quick. it was fun. Um, any last comments, anything like that? I wouldn't leave uh, a phone number or anything like that. No, but, no. Uh, you know. um, <clears throat> if you want to know more about EOS, uh, you can go to my website at york.coach, as in Mitchell York, york.coach. You can also go to EOS Worldwide. Sure. com and find me there on their implementer directory. And you can read the book Traction. And uh, it's a great book for any business owner to read. Uh, it goes through all the principles of EOS. And even if you don't hire an implementer, a lot of companies self-implement EOS. And later on, when they reach a certain point where they go, you know, hey, well, now we're ready to do it on a, uh, a faster, more professional level, they'll sometimes hire an EOS implementer a little bit down the road. So it's a great thing to do to read the book. And if you like what it says, then 
uh, bring in someone like me to sit with you for 90 minutes and really explain it and then decide whether you're ready for it. Perfect. I like Thanks, it. man. This is fun. Hey, no problem. Glad I could uh, hang out with you. Yeah, this is so, and this is great. You're right next door too, which is nice. I know. Not too common to get. I know. It's great. Not much traveling. <laughs> Good. All right. Thank you, Mitch. Thanks for coming down. Much appreciated. A pleasure, Harrison. Guys, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast, where I'm your host, Harrison Barron. That is Harrison underscore Barron on the social media. It is Brutally Honest Podcast on the social media, the website, Brutally Honest Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. Mitch is a stellar dude. We've we've This podcast allows me to forge friendships with people that would be very unlikely. Uh, because of the reach that this has and um, the communication that you have. An hour and a half without a cell phone in your hands is a long time to talk to somebody. So you really get to know somebody. But we had a great podcast. I loved it a lot. And I hope you guys do too. So let's let's wrap this bad boy up. Mitch is, I just, uh, this is a great podcast. Our sponsor, Dream Dance Fitness. If you're located in East Meadow or the East Meadow area, go check it out. All right. 386 East East Meadow Avenue, East Meadow, New York, 11554. All right. DreamDanceFitness.com. If you're looking to see your toes and you're a fluffy person, I'm just kidding. But do that Zumba, that yoga. I'm, a, I'm, I'm I, Like I said before, I'm a firm believer in yoga. It's so good for you. Stretching and stuff like that, it's great. Sculpting, pole dancing, whatever you're into. Aerial hoop, you know, lira, whatever that is called. I don't know what that's called, but lira is I, a class where you're suspended on a on a metal hula hoop on the that's hanging from the ceiling. Pretty wild. Liquid motion, all right. A lot of flexibility. It's good for, like, healing. You know, and, and getting tuned up and stuff like that. Um, my friend Misha and or Michelle and Natasha run it, and they're ripped. All right, they're absolutely ripped. They do these classes, and it's pretty sick. So definitely, definitely go check that out. DreamDanceFitness.com. Always appreciate the support, guys. And I think that's pretty much it for the podcast. But I didn't even talk about this in the beginning. This is episode ninety-nine, and I don't want to discredit this episode at all. But we all know what follows 99. 1,000, obviously. No, episode 100. It's coming up. I already know my guest. I'm super excited for it. It's going to be recorded. It's going to be released. I'm probably going to cry a little bit. Never thought I'd do 100 episodes. Almost two years down the road. All right, I'm super excited about it, and as you guys should be too. Oh, as always, I forgot to mention the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Brutally Honest Podcast. If you guys really enjoy these episodes and you want to help me out, Go uh, go check it out there. You can you can pledge some money and, and help grow the podcast as well. It's tremendously appreciated. All right, everybody. I love you guys. I'll see you guys later, and Happy New Year. Peace.